If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter number four. And tonight, I, I really do, I come with, I asked the Lord before I came in here tonight, I said, Lord, somehow, someway, you have to help me synthesize everything that you've given me down to about 30, maybe 40 minutes of preaching. Okay, 50 or 60, Brother St. Clair said. We got an episode generation. I mean, if we can't get it done in 20, 25 minutes with commercials, then people start to unplug. But tonight, I really do. I feel like the Lord has given us a strong word for this conference, and I believe that God is going to speak to us. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And so if you would hasten with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 4, and uh, be praying with us tonight. Love my beautiful, wonderful wife and my baby, Theodore. He is love, amen, he is, and she is the love of my life. Love those folks. Amen. Acts chapter number 4, begin reading with verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid their hands on them and put them in a hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. How be it? Everybody shout, how be it? It's one of those old King James Version words. How be it? Although, that's what that means. Many of them which heard the word, they believed. Although Peter and John are arrested, many of them which heard the word, they believed. And the number of them was about 5,000. Somebody shout 5,000. Now, this is not a small revival. This is a big revival. You're looking at a preacher tonight that still believes that God can give us 5,000 soul revivals. Now, I'm not saying that just to get you to respond. I really do believe that God is still able to give us 5,000 soul revivals, not in a matter of years, but in one period or one day. I need you to get this. Here we go. Acts chapter 4. Why don't you go with me to verse 23. The scripture goes on to say, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea, all that is in them is who by the mouth of the servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. I need you to pay close attention to verse number 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants uh, with all boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand unto, to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, I know this is a lengthy reading tonight, but I, I, I just need you to hear the word of the Lord. And when they had prayed, See what happens here. The place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak with boldness and authority. And am I, am I in a church tonight that believes in Holy Ghost power? The Bible says in verse number 36, and Joseus, who by the apostle was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, if I can just preach for a little while from this thought, from defying to thriving. From defying to thriving. Set your Bible down and would you extend your hand right now towards this pulpit if you would please. And would you pray that God would take and lose something in this atmosphere tonight. We need the Holy Ghost to work right now. 
God, I pray tonight that the power of God right now would move in this house. I pray that every yoke would be broken. I pray that every spirit right now would, God, come under the direct control of the Holy Ghost. I pray that, Lord, you would challenge our hearts and our minds tonight to step into a greater dimension of revival, a greater dimension than we've ever seen, a greater dimension than we've ever heard of. And I pray that, God, from this point forward, for the rest of this conference, that you would take and open up the windows of heaven. And, God, would you pour out upon this generation a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost if you believe that would you clap your hands right now somebody shout hallelujah amen if you'll help us preach tonight you can be seated in Jesus name wonderful job music thank you so much amen and what a beautiful and wonderful gift basket thank you for your hospitality amen from defying everybody shout from defying to taking and seeing God do great things from defying to thriving. Uh, we understand this idea of age. Age is an important thing, at least in today's society. When I ask you your age, most of us would respond quite swiftly with a number. We would say that we are 12 or we are 18 or maybe we are 35 or 55. And we also understand that as various ages come, uh, that there are certain rights that we earn. When we became 12 years old, we became part of the youth ministry. And when we turned 16, we got our driver's license. When we turned 18, we became a legal adult. And when we were in the world, when we turned 21, when we turned 21, we were then given the legal right to partake. Thank God that we're no longer in the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. At 55, you're able to go through McDonald's and get yourself that senior discount. Any seniors excited about that senior discount? But the idea of age can be expanded to mean something that is, that is much bigger than just a number that you are. It is an elongated period of time. We read history and we find that there's something that is called the Stone Age. There's the Bronze Age. There's the Iron Age, the Silver Age, and the Gold Age. All of these ages are, in essence, capsulations of time that speak to ultimately things that are taking place within it and developments that are going on within that era of time. Biblically, we have biblical ages. And I will not bore you with this tonight, but just... Give me just a few moments here or a little bit of runway. We find that there is an Egyptian age or an enslavement period of time where Israel is going to spend 400 plus years dwelling in the land of Egypt. We have a Babylonian age or an exilic age where Israel is going to again spend a period of time dwelling in the land of Babylon. And then there is the Persian age. All of these again uh, encapsulating periods of time that certain things are taking place within. When you read the New Testament you find that Paul starts to talk often about this concept of the spirit of an age. There is a spirit that is often moving and working within an age. And it is the responsibility of the church or the believer to take and have dominion and authority over that spirit of the age. You've got to have spirit, you've got to have spiritual dominion over the spirit of the age. Let me just give you a few examples tonight, if you would allow me. If we go back into the very beginning part of the Old Testament, we find that there's a woman by the name of Jochebed. She is Moses' mother. She has to deal with a spirit of the age. The spirit of the age has a name. It's called Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was out to kill every single baby dwelling within the land of Egypt. And Jochebed had to understand. I cannot allow the spirit of the age to steal my promise. I cannot allow the spirit of the age to steal my future. Chacobed said, I will build an ark and I will put my little baby in it because I will not allow the spirit to kill my promise. I will not allow the spirit of the age, age the prince of the air, to affect what God has given me. Hallelujah. 
Let, let me just give you some more tonight because I, I want you to get this in your spirit. David knew what it was to wrestle the spirit of the age. When he goes to give his brethren some cheese and some bread and some things, we find that David hears the taunt of a Philistine Goliath, a Philistine giant. And the taunt was, uh, amen, it was a taunt of oppression. It was a taunt of trying to take the people of God and marginalize them and cancel them and tell them that they were no longer powerful and that they were no good for anything. David would come out, or rather Goliath would come out every single day, multiple times a day to try to shut the people of God up. And here comes a young man that's been living on the backside of a valley, taking care of his father's sheep. And he says to himself, is there not a cause? Why are we allowing this spirit, if I can just preach it in the context with which I'm preaching tonight, why are we going to allow this spirit of this age to continue to taunt us and to continue to intimidate us. I wish somebody tonight would stand up and look every Goliath in the face and say enough is enough. I refuse to bow to the spirit of the age. You've got to learn to defy it. Paul said you've got to learn to defy the spirit of the age. You cannot bow to it. You cannot go along with it. You've got to stand flat-footed and say, I refuse to bow to the spirit of the age. Can I, can I go a little bit farther tonight? The three Hebrew boys uh, dwelling in a land called Babylon uh, knew what it was to have an image set up right before them with all of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans next to them. And the Bible says that as the music began to play, all of Babylon began to bow and worship the spirit of the age. Uh, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we cannot go along with the spirit of the age. Uh, we've got to stand strong. We We've got to stand flat-footed. We cannot go along. Oh, my, 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 my. You can throw us in a fiery furnace if you want to, Nebuchadnezzar, but we will not bow to whatever it is that you're trying to get us to bow to. You listen to me tonight, young person. You don't have to go along with everything that Hollywood's putting out. Young person, you listen tonight. You don't have to bow to the LGBTQ movement. You don't have to bow to the transgender movement. You can continue to stand when nobody else is standing. Daniel said, you know what? You can make a law if you want to. You can take and make a decree that nobody can worship anybody else other than the king. But you know what I'm going to do against the spirit of the age? I'm going and I'm going to open up my windows and I'm going to pray even louder. And I'm not going to let anybody... Daniel had a government ID card. He, he worked for the state of Indiana. He was a federal employee. He worked for the government. But even at that, he said, you know what? I might lose my benefits. I might lose my retirement. But I'm not going to take a bow to the spirit of the age. I'm going to open up the windows and I'm going to pray louder. I'm going to pray with more intensity. I'm going to pray with more tenacity than I've ever prayed. Come on, it's time that we understand. You've got to defy this thing. The devil's doing everything that he can in this end time to try to get us to shut up, quit worshiping, and stop having revival. But there's got to be something inside of you, young man, that says, I'm not bowing to the spirit of the age. I'm going to stand for revival. I'm going to stand for truth. Can I preach to my ladies in the house? It doesn't take a man to stand. Some of you ladies, you can stand. Esther was dwelling in a foreign land all by herself. She had the best of her high heels on. Her face was, was, was not covered with makeup like Jezebel's face. Her, she had her long uncut hair. And she said, I refuse to bow to the anti-Semitism that's going on in the land. Sisters, I want you to know tonight, you and your long, your long uncut curly hair, you can stand against the spirit of the age. There's a spirit of idolatry. First Corinthians chapter number 10. I wish I had time to get into it tonight. I don't have time. 
But the Bible says, or rather Paul, he says, I want you to know that the spirit of age, of the ages at work within the, within the spirit of idolatry. He elaborates on this concept that, that when Israel would fall into idolatry, that that would lead them to fornication. As they fell into idolatry, they would, they would start, they would go out to play is the word that Paul uses. And they would start to murmur and they would start to complain. And I know today you think that idolatry is worshiping a wooden and metal image. But I'll never forget, it was about a year or so ago, I went to a Jordan Peterson conference or a meeting, just a seminar really, with a few preachers. And old Jordan Peterson said something else I shall never forget. He says, you know, idolatry is no longer an idol or a model or image that is made of wood or metal. But it is rather something that is made of ideas. I wish I had time to, to talk about idea a tree. The world is trying to propagate all kinds of ideas in today's society. They're trying to tell you that you've got to bow to LGBTQ. You've got to bow to transgender. You've got to bow. It's quiet in here right now, but I'm going to preach because maybe, maybe I just got a spirit of boldness on me. No, you don't have to bow to that spirit, honey. You don't have to bow to that curriculum. You don't have to bow to that teacher. Oh, hallelujah. The spirit of the age is working. I had a little sweetheart come to me just a couple days ago. She came to me, and I'm not going to stay here. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to stay here too long. i got to move on tonight because I'm only, I'm only preaching about defying the spirit of the age right now. But little Ari, 12 years old, she came up to me. She said, Pastor, she said, I need to talk to you. I said, what's up, Ari? She said, you know, I, I'm taking a health class at public school. I said, yeah, what's up? She said, you know, the teacher for the last two weeks has been teaching us about all this. I'm going to be very, very, just, I'm going to try to be careful here. She's been, she's been teaching us all about this, this alternative lifestyle stuff. And, and has been teaching us about all of the various genders and all of the different ways that we can potentially change and modify all this, this stuff. This is what they're teaching in California. Can you believe it? And, and I said, Ari, I said, did she act biased at all to it? She said, oh, absolutely. You could tell she was, she was behind it. She was with it. She was wanting us, she was wanting to convince the next generation that this is, this is normal and that this is okay. She said, but pastor, it doesn't stop there. She said that the teacher took and she split the class. She said, those of you that agree with what I've been teaching for the last, the last two weeks, I want you to go to this side of the room. And about 20 of the 25 kids got up and they went to that side of the room. The other five went and stood on the other side. You know what that is? That's a spirit of idea, a tree. That's a spirit that's trying to get you to bow. Young person, if you're 12 or you're 24, don't you ever bow to that stuff. You don't ever bow to that idea idea tree you stand you defy you keep being a godly man you keep on being a godly woman and don't let the world tell you who you are you listen my god my god you better stand upon your identity in christ Maybe I'm just preaching tonight to, amen, one or two of you, amen, that you've been thinking about bowing. Don't you bow. You keep on standing. Your knees may get ready to buckle, but you find somebody to brace on and say, I refuse to bow to the spirit of the age. Come on, don't bow, don't bow, don't bow, don't bow, don't bow, don't bow, don't bow. Keep standing. We don't need more, so, more social justice warriors. We need more prayer warriors. We don't need more social workers. I don't have time to qualify everything tonight. But we need more altar workers. We don't need more pundits. We need more preachers. We need men and women, young people that stand for truth. Lift up your hands all across the house of God right now. Come on, we're not going to let the spirit of the age defy the church. We're not going to let the spirit of the age defy Anderson. We're going to push back against every devil. We're going to push back against every demonic force. And we're going to stand for truth. Come on, somebody shout defy. 
Come on, shout it like you mean it. Shout defy. I need a young person to shout defy. Come on, defy. Uh, we got a lot of people in here that are good at defying. There's a lot of churches that are good at defying. There's a lot of people that take and they, can, they can get up and preach like I'm preaching tonight. Amen. Sometimes the, the preaching is so strong and so good that all we're doing is just kind of seemingly just, just trying to find our footing. But may I suggest to this body of believers tonight that it's not enough to just defy. It's not enough just to defy. That's right, Brother Smith. We're not just against it. We're for something else. And we're for revival. We're for Holy Ghost outpouring. We're for miracle signs and wonders. We're for deliverance. I'm not here just to preach, to try to take and stir somebody up in their own flesh. But I'm here to preach, to get somebody to turn their life around. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, I, I'm thankful for a church that will defy. But you've got to learn to thrive when you're living in Babylon all by yourself. It's not time to hang your harp upon the willows. But it's time to say this is our greatest season for revival. My God, my God. I don't know, maybe I'm just crazy. I think I got some good men tonight that, that believe everything I'm saying. I don't believe. I, 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 maybe you believe that, that, that our greatest revival has passed us and, and that there's just no more revival to be had. But this preacher, and I think these men over here believe that, that our greatest days are ahead of us. I know it's dark. I know, I know that tonight is dark. But the Bible says at evening time, there shall be light. That means in the darkest hour. I wish somebody would help me right now. At evening time, there shall be light. D.C. can push what they want to push. Oh, Sacramento can say what they want to say. The governors can do whatever they want to do. But the church is going to keep on standing and believing that our greatest hour. Our greatest hour. You can be seated for just a moment. Our greatest hour is not behind us. I've heard people say, how can we have revival in the midst of all this defying? I mean, it seems to take all the strength that we've got just to defy the forces that be. And, and I mean, it just takes just about all the strength that we have to keep on pushing against the spirit of Antichrist. And, I mean, we go to bed and we're weary and we're tired. Listen, we cannot just defy. We've got to take and we've got to say, come Sunday morning, there's got to be miracle signs and wonders at First Pentecostal Church of Anderson. There's got to be cancers that are removed and diabetes that's removed and cardiovascular disease healed I'm getting ahead of myself but I'm just going to just follow the Holy Ghost the Lord just Brother St. Clair most of you know our story we started church eight years ago we've been in a whole host of different buildings. We've been in little back rooms. We've been in storefronts. We've rented churches from the Pentecostal Church of God. I mean, we were having such good church there. And the pastor's wife from the, the church that owned the building, she started coming to church. And we didn't realize she was a backslider. And her husband got mad and said, listen, you got to go. You got two weeks. Find yourself another place. We found ourselves just a little bitty storefront. Brother St. Clair, you were talking about it tonight. I mean, you walked in, you were in the sanctuary. We had 90 chairs in that little bitty building. And what else was, was terrible, Brother Stephen, is that when you had to use the restroom, you had to walk right down the middle aisle, take a hard right, and th then take a hard left right by the pulpit. I mean, it was, it was a, the public walk of shame and embarrassment. I mean, we're the storefront church. We had no parking lot. People were parking downtown. Then we went to another building. God gave us revival there. And in the last about eight months, I think it was in August, God allowed us to purchase a brand new building on three acres 
right on the main track in our city. I'm talking about prime land, a building that seats right at about 450 people comfortably. We bought it right for $1.2 million. It's worth probably $4 million. This is the kind of stuff that God's doing. And I wish I had a lot more time to talk about that tonight. Maybe I will just say this. If you need God to do a financial miracle, I'll believe with you tonight that God can perform a financial miracle because God's just done it for us. He can do it for you too. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Brother Santa Clara's been talking about getting this building paid off in the next year or two. I believe that God's going to do it because I believe God is able to perform financial miracles. If God can give us almost $3 million of equity, he can take and pay this building off. Here's, here's what I'm trying to get at. Here, just, just, just sit down for just a moment. Here's what I want to get at. The day that, that they were handing the keys to us, Brother Barnell, the, the pastor's wife, her name was Pastor Stephanie. Love pastor's wives that like to refer to themselves as Pastor Stephanie, nothing wrong with it. I'm just joking. Have a fun. Her husband was really the pastor, but she, I guess, was kind of the pastor too. And so Pastor Stephanie is giving me the keys, Pastor. She's, she's showing me the, the codes around the property. It's ours. And then the last thing that she does is she says, here is the information for the sprinkler company. She said, you'll want to make sure that you turn you get this thing flipped over so that it, you're paying for it, that it's, there, there, there's a service to it. And you, he said, you want to make sure that you do that because you want the sprinklers to work. I said, oh, Stephanie. I said, they better work. I said, because there's about to be so much Holy Ghost fire in here. I said, the sprinklers better. I said, we better get these things working. She said, oh, Pastor Brad. She said, you don't understand. The Holy Ghost has not fallen in this building for 20 years. I'm glad to report tonight, we've been, that, been in that building for about six months. I can't even begin to tell you how many people have gotten the Holy Ghost. Almost every service, people are coming to the altar, they're lifting up their hands, and they are being filled with the Spirit of God. Don't you tell me that we can't have revival in 2023. You've come too late. I believe that the church can... Oh, come on. I just want to occupy until he, until he comes. I just want to stay home and just keep on believing the message and not take and go out on evangelism. No, no, no. you got the wrong idea. you got to take and multiply the talents. You've got to multiply what God has given you. Somebody shout glory. i got to get to where I need to be tonight. We, as if we're, if we're not careful, as an apostolic assembly, we can become so good at defying that we forget that we have to thrive. I believe by this time next year that we're going to see more than what we have here tonight. I'm just going to cast faith and then I'm going to keep on moving. I believe that next year, Pastor Santa Clara, this house can be filled and overflowing. There's a great crowd here tonight, but I'm talking about seats all the way up to the platform and people on the platform sitting. I choose to believe that God is able to do this. Oh, hallelujah. And in order to thrive, in order to thrive, everybody shall thrive. We got to pray and we got to fast more than we've ever prayed and fasted. Oh, we got to pray and fast until almost we're weary of it. Ah, if you're going to have revival and you know what it takes to have revival, I'm not preaching to you anything you don't know, but it takes a praying and fasting church. And I wish I had time to preach about praying and fasting tonight, but don't have time to do that. If we're going to see revival like we've never seen, if we're going to thrive, we've got to have boldness like we've never had boldness. When you're walking down aisle three at Walmart tomorrow morning, there's got to be enough boldness on you, honey. If the Holy Ghost speaks to you, you've got to be willing to step out and say, i got to tell you about this Jesus that reached down and saved my soul. Oh, we got to have boldness. And we got to have apostolic ministry. There's a lot of folks that get nervous with apostolic ministry. But I believe your pastor, your pastor believes and this church stands for apostolic ministry. 
We believe in the role of the prophet. We believe in the role of the evangelist. We believe in the role of the teacher. We believe in the fivefold ministry. And when your man of God gets up to preach, and there ought to be something inside of you uh, that says, preach it, pastor, preach it, pastor, preach it, pastor, preach it. Amen. When he waxes bold in the Holy Ghost, uh, you ought not to sit down like a bump on the log. Uh, there ought to be something in your spirit that rejoices in his boldness. I believe in apostolic ministry. I believe in boldness. I believe in prayer. I believe in fasting. These are, I believe, the cylinders that it takes to have revival. If you're going to have revival, you got to have a praying church. Thank God I felt so good in the prayer room tonight. I don't know how many people, probably 200 people in that prayer room. Y'all keep on praying like that. My God, keep on praying like that. It's going to bring It's going to be the, bring the greatest revival that we've ever seen. I believe in prayer. I believe in fasting. I believe in ministry, apostolic ministry. Oh, but I'm about to lose all of you right now. I'm glad we've had good preaching and service up to this point. Because I think right now, if we're not careful... God, just help me to preach it like you gave it to me, all right? This is when it's so nice to be a pastor. Do I need to say it one more time? I believe in prayer and fasting. And it's easy to shout about prayer and fasting. And it's easy to shout about apostolic ministry and boldness. Buckle your seatbelts. But if we're going to thrive in 2023 and into this coming age... I believe that it is going to require or it is going to take another dimension of apostolic. God help me. It's going to require a new dimension or portal of apostolic giving like we have never seen in our previous years or history. See how quiet it is right there? I knew it. And that would be, it'd be quiet at any place. But I want to preach about giving. You can pray until the cows come home. You can fast until your belly turns inward. You can believe in apostolic ministry. But if we as a people do not believe in apostolic giving, we will never be able to thrive and we will be stuck in it to find the spirits that be. But thank God for a church. This said it's our hour. I knew, I knew it was going to get a little, little rough right here. A little turbulence. Yeah, a little turbulence. Buckle your seatbelt. Last night they kept on telling us there's going to be some turbulence coming up. We can see it. There's some cumulonimbus right around the corner here. All right, so that's why I took the time and I said I'm going to make some notes because just in case it gets a little too tight, I'm just going to be able to deliver what the word of the Lord gave to what God gave to me. Amen. I believe if you will hear this tonight that God is about to do something big in this place. If you will receive the word, God is about to change some things. God is wanting to take this church to a new dimension that you have never been to in the last hundred or eighty years of history and the way that the portal or the door is going to be open is not through prayer this time but it's going to be through your sacrificial giving oh my 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 Yes, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about mammon tonight. I'm not talking about, no, no, don't, don't, get, don't get mixed up with me. But I believe that if we are going to see revival like nobody has seen it ever before, I believe in that God's going to do something greater than Azusa and greater than what happened in Houston. If we are going to see that in Anderson, Indiana, it is going to require that we have an Acts for revival, a revival that says we're not just going to pray for boldness and pray for authority. But we are going to take and we are going to begin to exercise in what I like to call the most perfect gift of the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm stretching it just a little bit. But Paul says the greatest gift of all of these is the gift of generosity. I believe that God is about to transition this church into a new season and a new day. God is going to break strongholds. He's going to break spirits. He's going to break yokes. He's going to break dominions. 
I just don't believe that God can break yokes and dominions and all that stuff through giving. Let me tell you about Acts chapter number 10. The Bible says that there was a good righteous man by the name of Cornelius. And when the Lord went looking for a good man, he said, I found me a good man who's been giving and who's been praying and he's been taking care of the poor. And because of that, God opened up the portal of heaven and said, I'm sending you a preacher tonight. There are people in this house. You have lost loved ones that you've been praying for, you've been fasting for, for the last 15 years. But it's time for you to take a step into a new dimension that says I'm going to give until they get to an altar I'm going to give until they go down in the watery graves of baptism my God my God oh, don't worry I'm not nervous I'm going I'm to give you the word tonight I want you to see this Acts 4 Peter and John go to the prison or go to the temple. They're preaching. And the Holy Ghost begins to fall. And the word of the God, the word of the Lord declares that 5,000 people in that one day. Everybody shout 5,000. 5,000 folks were saved in that one day. And that they go back on to their brothers and their sisters. Peter and John go back. And the brothers and sisters are, they are, they are discouraged, it seems. They have lost their boldness. But when they see Peter and John, they say, you know what, we need to take and we need to pray. And they begin to pray that God would give them a revival of boldness. And as they begin to pray for that revival of boldness, something came over that, that crowd that was there that day. And, and those that were with them began to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But it's so easy to neglect really what happens in the last two verses of chapter number four. The Bible says, and I, I read this because we, we want apostolic and book of Acts revival. But the one thing I often see, not this church, but many other churches not doing, is practicing what we see here in the 36th and 37th verse. The Bible says that the apostles, there was one that was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land. Everybody shout, having land. Having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Selah. Oh, my, my, my. Somebody just say amen right now. If it's hurting, say, oh, me. This Barnabas took a piece of land. He was a real estate investor. He had bought something that was probably supposed to be his retirement. And the Holy Ghost gets to moving in Acts chapter number 4. And he has seen Peter and John defy the Sanhedrin. He has seen them thrown into prison and defy the spirit of the age that was trying to shut them down. And somebody by the name of Barnabas says, you know what? It's not enough just to sit back and allow the man of God to defy the smile. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It's not enough just to defy the spirit of Herod and defy the spirit of the Sanhedrin. I'm going to take and I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to begin to thrive. I'm going to go sell my piece of land. Oh, hallelujah. This is just the way I preach at home. I'm sorry if this is making anybody uncomfortable. But the Bible says Barnabas took that prophet from that land. And he took it. And he didn't go give it to some knucklehead, some financial advisor. The Bible says that he took the price or the, the profit from that land and he set it at the feet of the apostles. In, in that very action, he is demonstrating that his giving is going to continue to cause the message of the gospel to thrive. It is going to allow mission to have movement. It is going to allow the Holy Spirit. My God, I'm... Oh, Lord, help me preach this right now. If we're going to put wheels on the gospel, it's going to require that there be some Barnabases in the house that say, I'm not going to worry about my retirement. I'm not going to worry about my 401K, but I'm willing to take. I feel it right now. We're good at defying, but there's got to be a transition that says whatever it takes to have revival, whatever it takes to see a move of God, whatever it takes to see a, a branch work started, whatever it takes to see Brother Jones thriving on the missions field. Uh, can I tell you tonight, you're probably picking it up already. The reason why God gave West Valley a building was not because of personality. 
and it wasn't charisma and it maybe not probably wasn't even preaching but I believe if you ask me single-handedly what was the one thing that allowed West Valley Pentecostals in Manteca California to transition into a new dimension in the period of eight years God has done something that many churches do not experience they don't get to experience for many sometimes 30 40 years the reason why I believe that God has allowed all of that to happen is because I'm I preach at home like I'm preaching tonight and about year three or year four people started to get what I was preaching that if we are going to see end time revival as it is promised in the word of God that it is going to require sacrifice like we have never seen in our life Oh, my, 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 my. Over the last four or five years, there have been at least four, maybe five people that have sold investment properties and sold homes, and they have given the money to that building project. Can I tell you tonight, if we're going to see it like they saw it in the book of Acts, we've got to give like they gave. It's not just about praying like they prayed and living like they lived. we got to give like they gave. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I've worked for it. and I, I, I belong, It belongs to me and I need this and I need that. Oh, honey, I believe that it's the will of God for everybody to have some things that you can cherish and hold on to. I'm not, I'm not preaching about going home and selling everything tonight. No, 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 that's not what I'm trying to do. But when the Holy Ghost gets to moving, you need to understand that it's going to make you do some things that maybe you never thought you would do otherwise. If we're going to get this building paid off in the next year or two, it's not going to happen with just our typical tithe and offering giving. I hope I'm not out of line right now. But it's going to require that men and women, boys and girls, say, Pastor, I'm behind your vision. And the Holy Ghost has been speaking to me. Come on, do we believe it tonight? Who wants to thrive? This idea and this concept of sacrifice in my opinion in my opinion and you're a giving church I'm just preaching what God gave us to preach tonight in order for us to see what God has promised us we cannot continue to do what we've always done come on even if you don't believe what I'm saying you need to say amen to the word of God We've got to take and we've got to begin to say, oh God, what is it that you would have me to sell? Some of us, we are looking at our, our bank accounts. And, and, and I'm going to get off this real quick. I'm not going to stay on it too much longer. But we look, at our, we look at our financial state and we say we have no liquidity. But we're sitting on all kinds of other stuff that potentially we could take and we could make liquid. And we could give to the kingdom of God. Don't tell me you're going to need all 25 of those guns when God's trying to raise up men and women in a church. That are saying, you know, I'm going to pay this building off and I'm going to support missionaries. And I'm going to, I'm going to fund the kingdom of God around the world. Sacrifices. Uh, if anybody knows what I'm preaching tonight, I can I can identify. I, I know what I'm preaching about. Sacrifices must be made. Sacrifices. He preached to a 15-year-old. Sacrifices must be made. Your gray-headed grandma, you don't know what she did to get us to this point today. You don't know what your grandpa did and what he gave to get us to this place today. They may no longer be with us, but you don't understand. They took and they did without so that we could have something, a building to worship in today. And now it's our time. I'm preaching to my generation and the generation beneath me. It is our hour to say, I will arise and I will take and I will give like I've never given so the message can thrive. Sacrifices. Sacrifices must be made. The story occurs on August 10th, 1896. A long time ago. German man, the name of Otto Lilenthal. Otto Lilenthal was a tinkerer. 
He was one that liked to experiment with bicycles. There was this new type of equipment that was, that was devised and was being experimented with around the world. It was called the glider. Like an airplane, but without an engine. Otto Lilienthal was so consumed and enamored with the glider that he began to be one of the leading uh, figures in aeronautical engineering. This is long before the Wright brothers. And I know that the Wright brothers were the ones that uh, accrued all of the influence and fame from the first flight. But you need to understand that gliders were flying long before the Wright brothers ever took their first flight. Otto Lilienthal was one of those leading men. He was out on the sandy dunes of Lake Michigan with his personal assistant and their glider. He began to run down the sand dune. And he began to leap into the air, or he leapt into the air. He began to make his way up, up, up. He began to soar, not for just a second or two, but Otto's flights would often last maybe 25, 30, 40 seconds. He had been flying for quite some time. On this particular day, he began to make his way up and he made it to about 25 feet when all of a sudden a structural failure occurred. And that glider in the middle of the air broke apart and Otto fell to the ground. He was not instantly dead. His assistant ran to him, could tell that he was in bad, bad shape. He grabbed Otto's hand to try to give him some form of support. And Otto probably with tears running down his face because of the pain that his body was suffering and also the state in which he lay. He looks at his assistant and he says these very few words that will go on in aeronautical engineering history. He says to his assistant this, sacrifices must be made. He took his last, last breath and he died on the sandy dunes of Lake Michigan. Oh yeah, the Wright brothers would pick up with his work 25, 30 years later and they would begin to build on everything that Otto had discovered and had figured out. And Otto, if I had to take a poll tonight, I would guess that most of you would not even know the name. His name is not popular. You've maybe never even took the time or read about Otto Lilenthal. But he was a man that understood. I may never be, if I can contemporarize this tonight, I may never be standing by a pulpit, behind a pulpit. I may never have a solo. I may never be the one teaching the Sunday school class. But sacrifices must be made. I may never know what it is to preach a missions conference. I may never know what it is to stand behind the sacred desk and preach with an anointing that breaks the yokes and breaks the chains of sins. But if I can be just a man or woman or a young person that can contribute to the kingdom of God in some small way, I understand sacrifices. I'm getting at tonight. I'm right where I want to be. I know that maybe some of us are just thinking, my, I thought we, we would end a little bit faster and a little bit louder. But here's, here's the point. The point is that we're good. We're good at defying. We're good at being apostolic. We're good at wearing our dresses. We're good at looking holy. We're looking good at talking the part. But in order to thrive, in order for us to take and see revival in dimensions and arenas that we've never seen before, sacrifices, I said sacrifices, have got to be made. Present your bodies. Oh, I thought it was just a body thing. I thought that as long as I just presented my body as a living sacrifice, that, that I was good, I was cool, I was, all, I was all fine with God. Oh, I believe that God honors a living sacrifice. But, but may I suggest to you tonight, middle-aged couple, that God is looking for more than just you presenting your body as a living sacrifice. 
He's looking for men and women to step out and say, I'm willing to give to revival. I'm going to give to missions like I have never given to it before. God is going to use me this year. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be a thriver. I'm going to be a revivalist. I'm going to be a man or woman of God that takes and pushes the gospel forward. Come on, lift your hands right now all across this house and would you begin to pray? Come on, we're in the Holy Ghost right now. I need you to lift up your voice and I need you to begin to pray. If you're getting what I'm preaching, maybe maybe there's some of it that's rubbing you the wrong way, but you need to get a hold of it tonight. Come on, lift up your voice right now and say, God, let me be a thriver. I believe this building is going to be paid off. But there's going to have to be some young men and young women that say, Pastor, if I have no other ministry, my ministry will be getting this building paid off. God is going to raise up some women in this church. And God is going to use you specifically to pay the building off and support missionaries. God is going to use... Come on, let it go right now. Come on, I need you praying. Anytime we preach about what I'm preaching about right now, it always probably gets a little tight, but I need you to stir up the Holy Ghost. I need you to stir up the Spirit of God. Let me just inspire you just a moment. Just stay where you're at, please. i never forget... Sam and Dakota, Sam and Dakota are our youth pastor at West Valley. You know him, Brother St. Clair. Sam's 22, Dakota I think is 22, 23. I've never seen a young couple give to the place of sacrifice as much as this young couple. Three years ago, maybe four years ago, when we started our missions conference, I'll never forget them coming and giving sacrificially for what was sacrificial for them at that time. It may have been $2,000 they gave. Don't worry, I'm not taking an offering tonight. They came and they gave $2,000. And they were, it, it hurt them. It meant they couldn't do certain trips, they couldn't go certain places. But they said, we want to be thrivers. God gave it back to them. They, they would come back and they would testify about how God would give it back to them. And they would give them better jobs and all of this. And they've done this the last two or three years. I think that th- two years ago they probably gave 5000 Last year they may have given 10000 This year, my mind was blown away. When this 22, 23-year-old couple came to the altar, Brother Smith, I was blown away. They don't have this kind of money. And they gave $20,000 at our missions conference. I knew what that required of Sam and Dakota. It took intentionality. It required that they potentially go do some things, that pull some money out of this account and take it out of this place and sell some stuff. But they gave $20,000. Brother Sam came to my office about a week ago. He said, Pastor, I just got to tell you something. He said, I, I need to tell you, I just got a new job. And he, he told me the amount of money that he was going to be making. It blew my ever-living mind. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive him. I wish that was the end of the story. It's not. Just Sister Sophia, my wife, she, she's a, an attorney for a big company in, uh, in Stockton, California. Sister Dakota is her paralegal. Just about three weeks ago, the CEO of the company went to my wife and said, Listen, do you think Dakota would be interested in becoming our CFO? Do you think she would be interested in becoming the financial officer of this $200 million company? She doesn't even have a degree. You can't outgive him. You just cannot do it. 22 and 23 years old. What am I trying to get into our spirit tonight? We can't outgive God. We can't outgive God. We can't outgive God. Lift your hands all across the house right now and when you begin to pray. Come on.
Come on, young people, lift up your voice right now. Come on, do I got any people that would say, you know what, I'm willing to step out tonight and I'm going to be a person that thrives. I'm not just going to stand for the truth. I'm going to, I'm going to live truth out. I'm going, to, I'm going to live this thing out. I'm going to give like I've never given for the sake of moving this thing forward. Come on, pray, 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 pray. Here's what we're going to do. If you want revival, I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you want revival, revival. I'm talking about big revival. Thank God for one and two. Thank God for three and four that get baptized. Got to go home on Sunday this week, baptizing five in Jesus' name. Brother Smith has baptized probably 200 people by now this year. God's, I believe in that kind of revival. And it takes more than just the ministry. Hear me tonight. It takes more than just the ministry wanting revival. When I asked for the St. Clair, I said, what is the theme of the conference? He said, revival. I said, all right. I know what I'm going to preach. It takes more than just Moses to want to get to the promised land. It requires a generation of people and leaders that say we can possess the promises of God. Come on, we can possess the promises of God like we have never possessed them before. Thank you for splitting the Red Sea. Thank you for the pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. But I am looking for the fortified cities. I'm looking for the vineyards I did not plant and the orchards that I did not plant. God needs a generation, not just a man. He needs young men. He needs young women that will say, I'm not in this just for religion. I'm not in this just because that's my church and that's where grandma went to church and that's where uncle and auntie went to church. But I'm in this because I want to see end time revival like I have never seen it before. Your pastor is probably, in my opinion, carte blanche, one of the greatest preachers of revival. Amen. End time revival. I agree. We're about to see it. We're seeing it. But in order to see all of it, we're going to have to step out and start sacrificing like we have never sacrificed. No reserves. No retreat. No regrets. No reserves, no retreat, no regrets. As a young man, I have to tell the story tonight. I, I know I probably should let you pray, but I, I got to share this with you. A young man by the name of William Boyd, Borden, he was a young intellectual. He was born into an extremely wealthy family, he inherited a great fortune. 16 years of age, young person, his family sent him around the world on a world tour. And that day, there's no airplanes. He's traveling, he's sailing around the world. He's gone for an extended period of time. And while he's on that big vacation, that world tour, he rides back to mom and dad, and he says, Mom, Dad, I think God's calling me to be a missionary. I think God's calling me to be a missionary. He was the product of those D.L. Moody revivals that were taking place up in the Chicago area, I think it was. And that preaching had penetrated his heart. And when he was traveling the world, he wasn't just enjoying the accoutrements of France and the fine hotels of England and the safaris of Africa. He began to see humanity and its depravity and its sinfulness. And he says, I want to I be a missionary. God, give us a generation of young men and young women 
listen, Sister Sophia is an attorney. I'm a commercial pilot. I believe in careers more than anybody, but I also believe you can do the will of God while you're also working a job. Give us a generation of church planners and missionaries. Here he is. He says, Mom, Daddy, I want to be a missionary. He came home. Multi-millionaire, bro. Multi-millionaire. Goes to Yale University. Gets his undergrad. Goes to Princeton Theological Seminary. Gets a Master of Divinity, I believe it is, from the most revered seminary in the United States of America. Job opportunities begin to come from his own father. Job opportunities from guidance at the university. He says, no, I want to go to China. And I want to reach the Chinese Muslims with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's 23 years old, has a Yale degree, an MDiv from Yale. This kid's sharp. He's probably good looking. And he says, I want to do something for God. I can't stay here and just make money. He goes to Egypt. There he's going to learn about how to witness for a period of time to the Muslim population. While he's in Egypt, also in language school, mind you, they tell us that he contracts spinal meningitis. He's not there for a long period of time. Becomes deathly ill. History says that he would take and breathe his last breath in, in Egypt. Send his body home. Brother St. Clair, they would send his Bible home to his mom and daddy. When they gave William's Bible to mom and daddy, very back of the Bible were these very few words again I gotta get it to you he's sharp he's got a bright future he could have lived any lifestyle that he wanted to live he could have come home and had the nicest of homes the finest of clothing but when his mom and daddy opened his Bible it said this Young William Borden wrote these words. No reserves, no retreat, no regrets. The last words he would write. No reserves, no retreat, no regrets. I've given my life to the gospel. And I don't regret it for one second. I walked away from wealth and fame, but I don't regret it for one moment. I took and I followed the call of God, and I decided I was not just going to be one that defied, but I was going to be one that thrived in the midst of a lost world. I'm done preaching tonight. Right now, I need some thrivers. I need some young men and some young women that would run to this altar and say, I'm more hungry for revival than I've ever been. I'm more zealous for the things of God than I've ever been. I'm sorry I preached long tonight, but i, I got to get this to your heart. I want to see my family saved more than I've ever seen them saved. I want to see them healed more than ever before. Come on, would you come and would you come lifting up your hands? Make up your mind. I'm going to be a thriver. Come on, if you want revival more than ever before, would you come out of your pew? Would you come out of your pew? person 
How bad do you want revival, young couple? I want it more than anything. I want it more than wealth. I want it more than celebrity. God's calling some of you right now to the missions field. Would you answer the call of God? Oh, come on. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. I give you all of me. Thrive. Thrive. That's it right now. Would you pray? God, use me. Use me. God, use me. God, you, would you use me? God, would you use me? I want you to connect right now with somebody. If, if it's appropriate, would you connect with your neighbor? Come on, connect with them. Would you pray, God, let me be more desperate for revival than I've ever been. God, use me to bring about revival more than I've ever been used before. God, use me to fund revival. Come on, let it come out of you right now. That's it, young ladies. Answer the call of God. Answer the call of God. It's here. It's here. But we've got to unlock it tonight. We've got to unlock revival. you put your hand right now on your head and would you begin to say God let there be let there be a change of my thinking tonight Lord would you allow there to be an evolution in the way that I think about the kingdom of God come on right now would you pray that with me God I want to see the kingdom of God the way the book of Acts church saw it God let us let us be bold let us be prayerful but God let us also be a generation that gives to the place that maybe it's even foolish it may not even make sense to our neighbor it may not make sense to the IRS it may not make sense to our unsafe family but God let us step out into a new dimension of giving so that way we can see the promises of God release come on would you pray that right now I feel something breaking in the name of Jesus. I feel something breaking in the name of Jesus. It's not the will of God that you struggle with poverty. No, God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. 